It's Free Talk Live. Welcome to the live Saturday episode of the program. The number, if you want to join us here, it's 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio here tonight, you've got me, Ian. Speakless Mountaineer. And we will not comply. Oh, sorry, I'm supposed to say my name. Oh, my bad. It's the captain. That's true, though. We will not comply. Indeed. And more people should not comply. Uh, coming up, we've got a lot to talk about here, including how to bully-proof your kids. Captain, you've got a story that's going to tell us all about that. Uh, and also, I wanted to start the show tonight with something that we don't normally do, which is to uh, to play a political advertisement. Is it is it the guy? What was his name? I can't remember now. Phil Mamoufarts, that guy, <laughs> the, the only true and real campaign ad. That that where, was amazing. Where he's like he's like, you know, I just take money from my constituents and then do the opposite of what I promised. And Wasn't that, that whitest kid you know that made that? I don't. Remember, I think it was a different but name, but it's like the only honest political ad or yeah. something like that. I can't remember his his actual screen name from that but it was hilarious. i'll change my name is that what i need to do sure <laughs> for the right price i'll change it to fill my mofo farts yeah uh that was pretty funny uh but this is an actual candidate for public office running here in beautiful new hampshire uh all right so you guys have seen this i only heard a little bit of the audio from it so i don't know what you're talking yeah about. the only reason you heard a little bit of the audio is i had to play it again just to make sure there wasn't any profanity in it just yep, because yep. i thought there could be given the how fun we the, need to uh, be fcc compliant here this is yeah. but uh here is the advertisement for jeremy kaufman for u.s senate he's a libertarian candidate uh planning to be on the ballot here in new hampshire and usually libertarian candidates aren't even worth talking about i was gonna say uh, don't, doesn't the libertarian party usually just go find some you know out of work republican and run him yeah usually they're fairly unremarkable in this case he's Not doing anymore. he's doing something special so here's his uh two minute long spot picture this innocent people in the middle east They're having dinner. A bomb is dropped on their house. And they're all killed. What's the problem with this? It's being done by white men. I am Jeremy Kaufman, the chief diversity officer at Halliburton and candidate for United States Senate. It is time to diversify the murderous military-industrial complex. We need to make the nukes gay. And that's why I'm running for office. Like my fellow Democrats and Republicans, I will support every war. I will support stealing billions of dollars from Americans to kill innocent people. But we are going to make it so gay. It will go down. All right, I got to tell you about some of the imagery here. <laughs> so it is amazing imagery. <laughs> so uh, throughout the first minute, there's a lot of war, you know, imagery, a lot of bombs being dropped, bombs going off, and now that he's announced that he's going to make war gay, you've got an actual like diamond encrusted gas mask on the screen. <laughs> there's you know plenty of there was a scene of the the White House with like a rainbow uh, sort of coloration of it instead of it being a White House, it's rainbow colored. Uh, and then they've got that. Do you remember the story about the the like the super flaming TikToker that the White House hired to be their 
press intern or something like that. It was last year. You guys didn't see this one. It was pretty ridiculous. They brought this just total flamer from TikTok and made him their press secretary for a day or a okay. week or something or something like that. And the, the, the dude made this whole video about it. And it was just very silly, right? Like, oh, the White House is so cool and so hip. Mm-hmm. And yeah. no. So they got an image of him on here. In the history books, we will say never have so many genders and so many races killed innocent people. Let's bomb Yemen. But let's make sure a rainbow of skin colors are dropping those bombs. These are going to be the gayest, transest murders the United States has ever performed. That's what I stand for as the chief diversity officer at Halliburton. And that's what I'll do once elected to the United States Senate. I'm Jeremy Kaufman, and I'm gay for this message. Yeah, I immediately I think that he should plan a follow-up to this commercial, except do it in the style of... Uh, uh, I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do it in the style of, uh, like, Fear Factor, right? But then have okay. Joe Rogan actually, like, you know, like... Like Jeremy's. I don't know how big their campaign budget is, but whoever they hired to do this video was just top notch. I don't know who did it, but kudos to whoever their editor was. Great. I uh, that's that's. I mean, at least somebody put some thought into it. Yeah, they really did. Uh, By the way, just for for whatever it's worth, his campaign website. If you want to go and uh, learn more about him, it's Jeremy the number four nh dot com. And in case you couldn't tell, the tongue firmly planted in his cheek. There, I'm serious. uh, He's not actually working for Halliburton. (laughs) That's not his real job. He's actually he's the CEO of Library LBRY, which we've Great talked product. a lot about here on Free Talk Live over the years. It is where we're streaming over at their associated sister website, Odyssey, uh, tonight. You can go to video.freetalklive.com and you can find our live stream and archives there. But Library is a decentralized media sharing protocol. And it allows you to upload basically any media that you want to to the internet, and no one can take it down. And so this is a guy who's, you know, he puts his money where his mouth is. Uh, he's actually somebody who works for decentralization uh, to, you know, through the world of blockchain to help protect freedom of speech. So that's what he really believes in. And I got to say, I'm a big fan of, of what he's doing here. So Good. kudos. We'll, we'll see. You know what happens. I enjoyed the ad immensely. Uh, I just certainly kept uh, things in the perspective of well, at least the way I see it. Right, the the bombing of nations that doesn't continue regardless of party uh, and that type of thing. So yeah, I, I you said something earlier too about uh, what was it the the flaming guy at the White House? Like yeah, some flaming TikTok they're, guy. They're always doing these things. The the White House, the feds, mm-hmm. if you will. They're always doing these things that like try and enhance their image. Sure, they've and, been hi- they've been hiring more than just that one TikToker. Yeah, they've got yeah. a whole bevy of them. Yeah, the uh, the amount of money they spend on production, and I mean like cameras and sound and people running sound and running cameras and doing like editing and you know that type of thing. If you ever the next time there's a a presidential speech, uh, don't don't watch it for the president speaking. Watch it for everything around him. Mm. See how many teleprompters are on stage and on to his left and to his right. And how many microphones there are. Yeah, it there's, can't get much more produced than it currently is. Yeah, there are like Hollywood level 
people, makeup and effects and camera and all that kind of stuff that are employed by the federal government specifically just to do like the presidential address and that type of thing. Like they make careers out of this kind of thing. So didn't uh, they discover at some point during COVID that the White House has a fake, uh, I don't know if it's like a whatever it's like a press conference or some sort of room that they've yeah. recreated or something yeah, where he can give speeches in from? several places it's it's that same backdrop that oh see it's like the podium mm-hmm. with like the emblem on the front and you know some curtains and a couple of flags in the background yeah. and so what they do is they just recreate that room in multiple places so that you know whoever's after them i guess mm. like can't guess their physical location i see so uh, we're. I wanted to start with the Jeremy Kaufman ad just because it's hilarious and it's rare to actually see a political <laughs> advertisement that it's actually brilliant. has has fun and doesn't really care what you think about it. Uh, and and I think I forget who I, I wish I could give credit to the person on uh, social media who commented in this way, but someone on social media sa- shared this and said the only reason I'm sharing this video from a, a libertarian political candidate is because it gives the system as much respect as it deserves. Arumph. And and I love that that viewpoint i've always been uh of the perspective for many years that we should be laughing at these people we should not yes. take them seriously they hate it when you laugh at them yeah when i just when i thought we were in a post satire world he brings us back from the brink yeah and he nailed it as well the number here is 603-283-6160 that's 603-283-6160 but it is, uh, on a serious note, dr- uh, bombs are dropping, apparently, in Yemen right now. And I know, uh, I think, say. you wanted to... It is Free Talk Live, and the phones are open here. You can join us at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. 6160. Here in the studio tonight, it's Ian Peakless Mountaineer and the Reverend Captain Kickass. Live Saturday show. Phones open as always. You can join us online anytime you want at freetalklive.com. Archives go back for many years and they are free to download at freetalklive.com. Plus, I uh, definitely want to tell you about bitcoin.com because if you're interested in learning about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, Well, there's no better time than now to get started. Just go over and click on Get Started at the top of the page at Bitcoin.com. You'll be taken to some introductory videos and you'll get some of the basic concepts down. There are some new ideas here uh, that if you're not familiar with, it's a a good plan to become familiar with. There's a bit of a learning curve involved in this. At least there should be. You don't want to just jump into this blind. So click Get Started at the top of the page at Bitcoin.com and start learning about crypto because this is a technology that is going to be with us for generations. It's not going to go away, I don't think. Um, I can't tell you which one's going to be the top dog. I'm not going to make any predictions about who's going to win the race as far as cryptos are concerned. Bitcoin is the the number one big boy right now. It's the one to beat. I think someday something will probably displace it. But Well, in the words of Madonna, why. we are living in an Ethereum world and I am an Ethereum girl. It's funny, but are you telling the truth? No. Okay. That's no. A, I posted that on Float the other day. I was like, here's a parody I will never write. Yeah. And it was that. Ethereum well, was interesting for its time, but it's kind of uh, showing its, its I, cracks. I still like it as a use case. Mm-hmm. Uh, better than you know the, the OG 
Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, Bitcoin's cheaper but than Ethereum. What do I use the most? By far, Bitcoin Cash. And when I say cheaper, I mean for transaction fees. Ethereum's yeah. way more expensive. Yeah, they've uh, they implemented Bitcoin. something, Bip something or another, Bip twenty thirty. I don't know whatever it was. Mm. And that seems to that what they're doing is they're purposefully burning Ethereum. Mm. Uh, in an oh, effort yeah, to reduce that. the and it, and it's worked. Whatever it is they did has worked, and now the fees aren't as high as they used to be, but they're still high. Not that Bitcoin's fees are low; they're but, a lot lower from what I've seen in the statistics. A lot lower than but, than Ethereum. Yeah, but for my transactions, I by far Bitcoin Cash is. Get the over to Bitcoin.com to learn more about it. We're going to go into your phone calls, and then we'll talk about Yemen because guess what? No one's talking about as far as uh, news media is concerned. Bombs Yemen. are being dropped in Yemen right now, apparently. Yeah. Oh, oh, where's all the outrage, you Ukrainian bastards? Yeah, how, how is the American government going to be uh, boycotted or sanctioned by governments around the world? Is the European I just want to know if everybody on social media is going to change their picture to the colors of the Yemenese flag. Oh, are we suddenly going to learn what the Yemenese flag looks like? <laughs> Let's go to your phone calls first, though. Uh, Daniel's on the line in Lebanon, New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Daniel. Oh, wow. Guys, man, I tell you, this Lebanon Police Department is a real, real meanies. I was over at the uh, the Marriott Inn up there on uh, the dry, uh, it was called Dartmouth College Highway. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's 135 or 135 out there. So I went into there, and I was been walking around all night. It was like, I don't know, probably 11, or 11 at night, or maybe it was even 1 in the morning. I can't remember. I walked in there, and they sell food there. So I bought some food, and she, um, the lady sold it to me. And I was eating the food, and then all of a sudden the police show up. I think the IT department watching on the uh, the cameras, and then they said you um, you have to go to the hospital. What? And I said why? I know it was like I couldn't get a room there. All the rooms are filled up, but I just bought some food there. A lady sold me some food. The desk, her name was Sarah. And yeah, and then they said you have to go to the hospital. I said no, I don't. I have my own free will. I'm going to keep walking after I eat this food. You know, I'm homeless right now. Okay. So they dragged me to the hospital. They um. I get dragged to the hospital by two cops. I think one of them was a fake cop, 11 PD. I get Dartmouth Hitchcock Medical Center. I get hauled into there. Get this. Um, I'm sitting there. They go through my bag. They take a bag of my materials. You know what I mean? Uh, I say they're legal. They say otherwise. They took them. They're going to, oh, we're going to test them. I said, well, that's my stuff. Don't take it. And then I got held down and shot up with sodium pentanol. I woke up the next morning. I could barely walk. Oh, my God. When did this awful. happen to you? Um, I think about a week or about a week ago, or I can't remember. Over so this ago. was what they would call an involuntary commitment. Uh, yes, yes. I kept saying, I have free will. I have freedoms. You can't do this to me. Yeah, they accosted me. And then after I got out, I started walking around again. And I went to the, I went, I had the Chinese restaurant over there in the Lebanon, by the Lebanon Park over there, the Colburn Park, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. I went and sat again and I started, you know, working on my exercises and things. And then they, again, they came up to me and said, you know, you're crazy or you didn't say crazy, but whatever, you're out of turn or whatever. And they did the same thing again. What kind of exercises were you doing in the Chinese restaurant? Just curious. No, no, no. I got out of the restaurant. I went and sat on the, the went to the Colborne Park and I sat on a bench. Okay. And I started doing like, a, like a, pretending like I was on one of those uh, exercise bikes, but just moving my legs, you know? Okay. And, you know, and then they is this the, just to clarify, is this the first time something like this has happened to you? Um, let me try to count the times. Oh my God. I get hauled away every time. Well, a lot. Enfield, New Hampshire, it started there. I got hauled away. I took away, took apart my own TV and they said I was um, causing a domestic disturbance in Enfield. They'd hauled me over there. 
and I got shot up with sodium pentanol again. How? I, I, here's what I want to know. When you get hit with one of these involuntary commitments, I don't know a whole lot about the process. I know they exist in basically every state. They, there's different um, statutes. They get called different things. I remember when I was living in Florida, it was called the Baker Act. So everybody <laughs> calls it. They used it like a verb. You got Baker Acted or, or whatever. Uh, are you able to find out who did this to you? Because usually it's like your mom or your some loved one that says... My son, they call the police and they say, my son is crazy. I believe that he is going to harm himself or someone else. And those are the words that the police need to hear in order for them to come in and take your liberty from you and put you in a, in a essentially a, a crazy ward yeah. for up to 72 hours before you get a hearing in, in front of a judge. Or you can, I believe, I'm not sure it's guaranteed. Either they cut yeah. you loose or you get a hearing in front of a judge, I think. Um, so are you able to find out who it is that's responsible well, for doing this to you? Well, here's the thing. I mean, that that first night I broke my, well, I didn't break my, I took apart my TV. I put a hole in the wall, but it was uh, my bed. They put my bed on the wall, but I put a hole in it. So they said I was a domestic. They said I was dangerous myself, which I'm not. And then so hold on, slow down a second here. You're inside. Sorry. This is you're talking about. This is your first time, not last week, but I'm but many dad, weeks ago. My dad, but I'm 18 or 25 or 40 or whatever age. You know, I'm over 18. Okay. Uh, but I just want to. I'm just trying to understand the time frame here. So you were just telling us about the park and this the hotel restaurant, but now you're talking about putting a bed frame through uh, through a wall. This is at no, your. No, no. When well, was this explain. one? Hmm? This was like, I guess, about two, two and a half weeks ago, I guess. It all started. But two and a half not, weeks. So hold on, bed. just slow down. I got my, more questions for you. I know you got a lot to say, but bed. I was trying to understand, get you to paint the picture clear. I know you've got a lot going on. Uh, so the first time this happened over the bed frame, are you in an apartment or do you live in a house? I live in, I live in my father's house. I, I'm the one that manages the budgets and everything. I'm okay. like the smartest guy in the house. Basically. Is it possible that your father called the police on you that night? Yeah, he did. But he did. what happened was my my wife put to put our bed in the house. Like it's hidden in the house, and I know it's there. So I'm so mad because no one tell me that my my bed is like built into the wall. So, so you I, had I you got angry. Got you got angry over that. Well, well it's my bed, and no one's telling sure, me. Sure, sure. No, I got you. I got you. Um, I'm gonna hang on to him and see. Uh, stand by, Daniel. We'll we'll bring you back here in just a moment. I don't know if we can give him any helpful suggestions here. I don't know if you guys have been through anything like this before. More coming up. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farms, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com It is Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. Bigfoot's Mountaineer. And the captain. We are talking with somebody who called in tonight with some criticism for the uh, Lebanon Police Department. And that is a police department in what they call the Upper Valley area of New Hampshire. We actually happen to be on... 
in Lebanon on Saturday nights at this mm-hmm. time, thanks to our affiliate there, WUVR, a longtime affiliate of Free Talk Live on the Saturday night show. At least I think they're in the 7 o'clock hour. Uh, so if anybody out there wants to, to weigh in on, on Daniel's call so far, maybe you're familiar with the police there. Maybe they're more likely to do what they call involuntary commitments than, uh, than elsewhere. That's certainly a possibility. Or um, maybe you've got some suggestions for Daniel specifically on maybe some of the situations that he's finding himself in. Now, the call has been a little bit scattered so far, so I, I wanted to bring Daniel back for uh, just so we can ask him some more questions and try to get get a handle on the situation. Obviously, we're only getting Daniel's perspective on all of this, so there's always another side to, uh, to every story, so we're going to keep that in mind here. But Daniel, you've given us at least three examples uh, so far of times that you were involuntarily committed, and you said that the first one was a couple of weeks ago. Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, so the first time this, ha- you said you're an adult, you're a legal adult, you're living at home with yeah. your father, you have a wife, and the yeah. first the first time this happened, correct me if I'm wrong on this, you live in your dad's house, somebody called, you believe it might have been your father, who called the police on you. The police came and they did an involuntary commitment. They locked you up against your will. This was after somebody, you say it was your wife, put a hole through the wall with a bed? With a bed frame? No. No. Um, somebody took our bed, our, our marriage wedding bed, mm-hmm. and put it in the wall. It's like the parts of the bed, it's all taken apart, but it's on the wall. And I'm getting so pissed because I'm starting to recognize the pieces of the bed are on the wall. It's like It looks like part of the wall. So, you know, silly me punched a hole through it. That's a mistake, but I bought that bed. I paid about $1,900 for it. Okay. And, you know, he got mad. My father got mad. Plus, I took the, the TV apart. So he got mad. And now, just to clarify there. something, was this your TV or his TV? My TV. I paid $450 for it. Okay. Yep. Right before I met my wife, right before we even started dating. What I does your her. wife think about all this? Oh, Jesus. Who knows where she's at, man? She's, we're separated, but you know, she's like a... I don't know. She's, so hold on, just to clarify, knows. you've been separated from your wife in just the last two weeks. That separation is fairly recent. Um, no, uh, since 2018, when she ran off to uh, <laughs> ran off to do whatever she's doing. Okay, so what did your wife have to do with the situation with your dad two weeks ago? Nothing. No, no, nothing, nothing. But the bed, the bed, our bed. How did she, she kept the bed? It she was lied in court, kept the bed. But somehow, the, I'm starting to realize the pieces of the bed are built into the wall. Hmm. I can built into the, the wall. I'm not lying to you. Okay. Now, that's a very well, like strange thing to say, um, why someone would think that. Let's presume, though, that you're telling the truth about the bed yes, being I built am. into the wall. It doesn't really make any sense. Um, but Unless it's like a Murphy bed. That's the only thing I can think of. Do you know what a Murphy no. bed is? No, but just the parts of the bed are like, it just it's taking up extra space on the wall. Mm-hmm. Like the, um, the, um, like the legs are kind of like acting like beams or something. It like, um, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just built into the house. Like and so you wanted to punch a hole through the wall so you could prove that there's the, that the bed was in there. Is that the reason you no. put the hole? Well, I kind of, well, it was just kind of, it was sort of a, just an angry mistake because I'm just getting madder and madder realizing that they're playing a mean joke on me. Would you that, say that you stuff. have an anger problem, that you tend to get angry mm-hmm. often? Well, I mean, you get angry if you find out that your wife snuck into your home and put put, put, her, put your marriage bed on the wall mm. and then, you know, lied to court and 
all this that was a long time sure sure no i see what you're saying about uh, it's always there's always an excuse for being angry i I get that everybody who's angry has a reason for it what i'm asking you is do you feel like you get angry fairly often at, at things well, I mean, it's, it's uh, you call it, you know, sure, you get angry when you find out that stuff. Right. That's fine. But I'm not Would you say you get angry stuff. every day about things? Um, well, I mean, I'm pretty good at not. I, you know, she used to beat me up. I never got angry about that. I just no, that's no good. I mean, that, that certainly is a relationship that uh, you don't want to continue if somebody is, is beating well, you on a regular basis. Um, look, I'm sorry this is happening to you. Um, I, even though you may be experiencing issues, perhaps with paranoia and anger, that those could very well be real things for you. Uh, it's frustrating. It makes things worse, I think, in a lot of cases when they put somebody against their will into uh, into a hospital, and and I don't think it really helps. You know, I don't think that it's it's helped you. It hasn't gotten you well because it keeps happening to you. What was helping me was um not was just I'm um, kind of living on the streets, being homeless, mm-hmm. um spending nights in on uh, kind of off believe. the road in the woods a little bit. That's what was helping me actually. You're and saying so you find it hard to believe office. that being homeless could help him? Oh yeah, absolutely. Why? I mean, I, I've I've done a fair amount of it myself, and it has done uh, no good to my mental condition. So it's stressful. Yeah, it's, well, it's stressful. I mean, uh, it's uh, you never know what the weather or the temperature is going to be. You never That's know if you're rough. safe at all. I mean, although if you have a dad that you can't get along with, it might be an improvement over a dangerous, potentially, you know, uh, arresting at home situation. It might be a step up from there. Do you have like a long term plan or are you going to are you trying to find a place to do work? Well, I don't really I don't know. I've been living off inheritance and um, I got I got some money coming in from the wife eventually here. Mm. And uh the other thing is, I've been rent. I rented a hotel because I had some money. So I'm now I'm just trying to stay out of trouble. I'm just hiding in the hotel away from the cops. And, have you uh, considered any therapy, or do you have uh, a therapist? Therapy. I, I do my own therapy. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty good. It's, but the thing is, when your whole family's lying to you, Ooh. it's you know it's going to be a real issue. But well, um, that's, the, uh, that's the actually why a, will... that's why a therapist can be so helpful is because you have mm-hmm. someone who isn't like inside the situation, who's not you know they're not uh, talking to your family or anything like that. It's just someone who's kind of outside of this whole situation that you can kind of bounce ideas off of. Daniel, I want to say good luck. I presume that there are. Uh, some sort of uh, therapists that are available in any given area. I don't know where you begin that that search, um, but I'm sure there's an internet way that you can uh, get connected with those people. And I, I wish you the best, and thank you for sharing your story tonight. There's no easy solution to mental illness. Um, and I definitely feel like he is experiencing some sort of paranoia. Uh, well, and, and one of the things that uh, that I've certainly found to be true about mental health is that it requires more than one person. Like, you cannot keep yourself sane on your own. Hmm. It is impossible. Sanity is too complicated for any single brain to work. Now, what you can do is, and it can be a very simple matter of, like, uh, other people's facial expressions when you say things will give you the clues of, like, whether that makes any sense or not. And just a, a compounding of that over and over again helps keep people sane. So you're saying we're social animals and we need to be around people? In well, order to stay sane. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I, I also think that perhaps, and it's only because I have some experience in observing uh, people who've been committed in, in my life, uh, it's worth noting that it could be 
as simple as he you know has been he had his medication changed up recently mm, and so now about medication and so now he's you know having you know he said in the past couple of weeks i'm just taking mm-hmm. him at his word you know so now he's having troubles you know things are happening mm-hmm. to him that didn't happen before so it could be that you know whatever that change was was the wrong change something else was working and they think this is better now uh these pharmaceutical companies and the state combined together uh, they use mental health patients particularly those who don't really have anybody or are involuntarily committed uh, as their guinea pigs to try out new medications from time to time so mm-hmm. you know there's no telling but it could be just as simple as you know something changed in his medicinal routine, and so now he's having problems. This is something that comes up from time to time. Normally, we don't have someone calling in yeah. uh, who's had the experience, but there'll be something in the news or whatever. And it is one of those things that brings up a, a really interesting issue from the libertarian perspective. We all tend to be liberty-minded people on this show. We tend to like and advocate for the what they call the non-aggression principle. The idea being that you know, if you don't harm somebody else, then you should be left alone, right? That, uh, what do you do if somebody you care about is actually losing their mind? There are only so many options, and sometimes it, sometimes you have to, to violate that principle. Now, I want to talk about that. Coming up, it's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Phone's open here at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. Beakless Mountaineer. And the Lord Reverend Dr. Captain Kickass Esquire, if you will. We're going to continue with your phone calls in just a moment. But I do want to talk a little bit further about Daniel's call. Yes. Uh, he called in from the Upper Valley of New Hampshire. He's been involuntarily committed a few times, it sounds like, in just the last couple of weeks. And based on my, you know, unprofessional opinion in this matter, it sounded like he was he's experiencing some paranoia. Uh, he believed that his bed had been, or bed frame had somehow been integrated with the wall uh, in his dad's house. That or he's had a very bad transporter malfunction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he got busted a hole in the wall over that, took his TV apart. We didn't ultimately ask him why he did that. I mean, it could have just been for fun. Um, but ultimately, somebody called the police on him and had him involuntarily committed and and that does bring up an important issue, I think, something that libertarians don't really talk about very often, because we normally think, oh, well, the non-aggression principle, which is sort of this bedrock uh, principle of libertarianism, is just invaluable. Like, you cannot violate the non-aggression principle. This is what we live, should live our lives by. We should honor our neighbor's choices, let our neighbors make their own choices for themselves. But what happens when somebody you care about literally starts to go insane? And it's one thing for, you know, maybe a little bit crazy. They're not hurting anybody. They're not hurting themselves. Okay, no big deal. You can live like that. But it's another thing when they start putting holes in your wall and when they might start threatening you with violence or well, threatening and so to that, hurt And that's themselves. exactly the point. So it's the non-aggression principle. So if you, like, if you of sound mind and full knowledge, you know, point a gun at my face... Like, you're threatening I get me. what you're saying. Maybe I went a little too You've far. You've initiated. What well, no, about no, no, no. when I they're threatening to hurt themselves? Well, and I, 
Mm, now that's that is a tricky one because yeah. like at that point you can be uh you can be doing a third party self defense thing. What do you mean by that? So what like self defense. So like, like suicide for example, right? Uh, I mm-hmm. think the non aggression principle allows for somebody to save a person from committing suicide if you you know, I don't know, walking on somebody, you know, hanging themselves or you see how? somebody how does it allow that? Well, because you're defending them from But they didn't ask you to. Dead. That's true. It, it is a tricky situation. So, like, uh, if, if he threatens you and I use a, a force to defend you, that is third-party self-defense. And generally that's welcomed right. by most people that value their ability to breathe. So if you have a person who suffers from mental illness and it's living with you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and you have more than yourself, uh, you have other family, if that person becomes violent, you are defending your family the question remains, what do you do? So currently people call the police, the police haul them away mm-hmm. and take them to a state institution, generally speaking, or at least that seems to be what happened in this caller's case. Right. And then they get out usually. Right. So what's the, the what is the non-state solution, I guess, is the right question. Mm. They're really, from what I've seen, isn't a particularly good one. Uh, and we've dealt it's with tough. this. It's uh, definitely it's tricky. So, like, you, uh, if wait. someone's is, so, we de- we definitely believe that someone has the right to to end their own life. We do. However, like, if there is a question of if that's what's happening, like, who knows? Maybe they were drugged and mm-hmm. they don't know what they're doing. That's and possible. you need to step in and go. Wait a second. We need to. <laughs> we can't have some permanent change occurring accidentally. Yeah. Whereas if you've taken the time and you've said, "Look, I'm done." Here's I, I've 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 done all of my affairs. I've said my goodbyes. I've made it clear to the people around me that this is what I'm doing. And whether we like it or agree with it or not, that's that's their choice. Yeah, you've defined two different, very different types of suicide. Exactly. Yes. There's this sort of deliberate, thoughtful. Uh, this is something I've wanted to do or decided to do. I've got terminal illness or whatever the reason you know is for it. Mm-hmm. And then there's maybe somebody who's despondent because their girlfriend broke up with them and they want to end it all yeah. uh, one Went weekend. Out and got drunk, did some drugs, and is like, that's it, man, I'm out. And you know this person, and you know that they weren't like that before, and that you th- expect they're going to break out of this and they can end, you know, get out of this depression. But if they kill themselves, obviously that won't happen. So you can then, you know, you might step in and stop them from doing that now that does violate the non-aggression principle in that particular mm, case i disagree no i disagree so how does it violate it well because if they're gonna put a gun in their mouth or whatever do some jump off a bridge or whatever and you restrain them from doing that yeah. you are using aggression aggression to restrain that person from hurting themselves right but you are defending that person from themselves in your that's in your mind yeah. Right. Well, and and here's what it comes down to. Like with everything, you have to decide for yourself where that line is. Mm-hmm. Like, am I willing to explain to you what I did? Mm-hmm. So, like, if we come along later and you're like, "Hey, you can't do that. That's their choice to make." And I want to explain to you, here's my experience. Now, you may very well say, uh, "No, that you violated the non-aggression principle, and now I don't have to. Uh, I don't have to respect your autonomy anymore." Now, that, that's a possibility. That is something that I risk, and that's basically the idea uh, the, of a, a jury, a jury of your mm-hmm. peers, is like the people, in the, 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 the people that I choose to voluntarily associate with are capable of judging my behavior. So if I want to explain what I did to them, then okay. 
So if I saved you from hanging yourself and mm-hmm. it's like, well, hang on. No, this this was the situation. And they go, no, that that was fine. They, what they were doing was fine. What you were doing was not fine. That's the chance that I take. No, I agree with you. I think that uh, there is some level of liability, but the the idea that a jury is going to find for the person who was despondent in that moment uh, in some, you know, finding you liable from preventing them from killing themselves mm-hmm. seems unlikely given the community uh, of people generally don't tend towards suicide and all of that. But all of that aside, it is a violation of the non-aggression principle to withhold somebody from well, their their actions. And you know what? In this circumstance, I think it's one of those times when it's okay this, uh, to, to do that. This reminds me of the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago on the Sunday night episode of Free Talk Live, where uh, a caller called in and he talked about uh, this thing called uh, assumed consent. Uh, it's a medical thing like... Mm. You know, somebody gives you the Heimlich maneuver and saves your life at the restaurant. Yep. Uh, they can't sue you if, like, you broke mm. a rib while giving them the Heimlich maneuver. That kind of a thing. Yeah. And there's a legal term around that that you know is like, I get you. and it's assumed cons- consent, right? You're assuming if you're saving this hypothetical guy from hanging himself, you're assuming that he's suffering from you know depression, mental illness, something like that. And so you're stepping in, and again, from your mind, and we've already said that, but so so is like that assumed consent thing. You're assuming that the guy doesn't want to choke on his dinner and wants to live, yeah. right? You have to be prepared for the consequences of that choice, whatever the choice is. Whether you're saving the guy from the Heimlich maneuver or you're saving the guy from hanging himself, you have to be prepared for the consequences noble as your cause may be yeah and honestly i don't think the consequences are going to be very significant i mean the the worst case is the person's going to be upset at you for not you know allowing them to kill themselves And so like you know if someone has you know stage four cancer and like they've said their goodbyes Mm -hmm. and they're like yeah i i'm starting to reach the point where i'm in pain all the time and i don't want to live that way and i keep them from killing themselves I I very well may be that I now owe them for having done that. Right, you're now causing them harm, right? By allowing you know by violating their decision, right? So if I go into uh, mm-hmm. in front of a jury of my peers, you know the people in the society that I have chosen to be a part of, uh, not to be confused with the different countries or counties or states or what have you, mind mm-hmm. you, but the people I've chosen to be in a society with. Now they might very well say, "No, I'm sorry, you you gave him this much extra." pain in his life Mm. and like he's leaving this much to these people uh you need to give you need to restore him you know this much bitcoin or what have you and that will balance things back out so that you are are back into civilization where you're where you're keeping the non-aggression principle now you have to pay the doctor bills for his suicide attempt (laughs) very well might be the case Uh, i i think though that but i think we are agreeing here that this is a you know, this at this point, the principle can be violated in the best interest of another person, just as long as you're willing to take well, liability. Yeah, I mean, third-party self-defense, and the application is definitely a, an individual choice. Mm-hmm. The non-aggression principle only exists in the mind, right? Because sure. animals don't obey it, obviously. Yeah, and, obviously. Uh, libertarians, I think, would agree that it doesn't really apply to animals because they can't mm-hmm. reciprocate. So, right. so if in my mind somebody's committing suicide and I block that attempt. Right. To me, I'm defending that person from themselves because Mm -hmm. that's stretch. But again, if somebody comes along, is like, 
hey man, you know, he made this decision and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody can explain, especially that guy, yeah. okay, well then, you know what, uh, my mm-hmm. bad, but I'm going to take that risk. Okay. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. If you want to weigh in on involuntary commitments, what is the alternative to what currently exists, which is you know, calling the cops and forcing somebody into a cell against their will? Uh, hour number two is coming up. You can bring up your thoughts. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. We are kicking off the second hour here of this live Saturday show. The phones are open if you want to join us on the way. We can talk about how to bully-proof your kids. Hmm. Or at least we might be critical of this. I'm not sure what the opinions are. Do I have ulterior motives? We'll we'll get into that story. Uh, Also, bombs dropping in Yemen. I know Peakless Mountaineer wanted to talk about that and talk about some of the Russian uh, situation as well. But, of course, the phones are open here. And it is Ian with you. Peakless Mountaineer. And the captain. Uh, Let's go back to your phone calls and thoughts. We've got Mehdi, who's been waiting patiently, calling us from Canada. Hey, Mehdi, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, how's it going, Ian? uh, Who else was there? Captain. Captain, hey. Um, So there was a a document. I just want to clarify something that I was saying before. So there is a document by, uh, it's the first document, actually, that official, quote-unquote, document that the Federal Reserve System I guess it's like a communique or something about their thoughts. And it's a public paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the first paper they've given out in public about their thoughts about uh, the central bank digital currency. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, yeah. You called about and, this, uh, was it last Saturday? I think last week. Yeah. I think so, yeah, last week sometime. Uh, so one of the potential risks, so I said one of the potential risks that they were saying was a bank run. And... Uh, as you were saying, the traditional bank run is you go to the bank, you take out your money, and then you have cash in your hand. Right. So the, the Federal Reserve, for whatever reason, they, they, in the paper too, they break up money into three forms. One is central bank money. Mm-hmm. The other is commercial bank money. And the other is non-commercial bank money. So a bank run consists of two things, right? One is draining the commercial bank money, right? If I go to my bank and want to take out all the cash, mm-hmm. I'm going to drain the commercial bank money and then I'm going to gain central bank money because those are Federal Reserve notes, right? Those are actually central bank notes, yeah. right? And so with this CBD, so with the central bank current digital currency, they're afraid that if this does go, in, if they do launch this, what people are going to do is go to their commercial bank drain out their commercial bank money and put all their money into 
this uh, digital currency, the central bank digital currency. I, that and is I correct. What, so yeah. you guys uh, have just put a, an idea into my head. I'm like, why don't we like, you remember uh, uh, some, uh, another radio host, he used to do something called a money bomb. And that was he like, okay, listeners, we're going to, you know, you're going to donate to this thing. Go over to this website. We're trying to raise, you know, a thousand bucks. The one I'm thinking of, I don't want to mention on there, but <laughs> but it, it wasn't. I'm thinking they Tom weren't the Lankus, only one. But, they yeah. weren't the only one doing that kind okay. of a thing, but that kind of a thing was popular. What if we started a cryptocurrency bank run, right? Instead of everybody go to your bank and take your cash out in, in USD and in paper dollars mm-hmm. to create this bank run, why don't we just do a... A virtual one. Hey, go to your bank and like yeet all your money from your bank account into crypto. Well, I don't know if I would recommend that somebody put all of their money into uh, cryptocurrency. I think that's uh, not a particularly sound recommendation. Okay, but as a form of uh, activism, a a cryptocurrency bank run sounds like a great idea. I think we've been. I, I don't av- see. I don't see the purpose of it. Huh? Honestly. Well, I think we've been advocating that people get out of the fiat money system oh, yeah. for a very long time. So I mean, you're just talking talking about putting a different name on it um, and maybe doing it a little more irresponsibly by having them do all of their money. Uh, I don't think that's usually a good plan. Well, but I, you can do you, Captain. I, I only just thought of it, so yeah. like I'm not necessarily <laughs> advocating for like all your money. But like, Captain is not giving financial oh, advice. He's not licensed to give financial advice. No, I certainly <laughs> am not. But all I'm saying is that a mass amount of people moving you know, even tiny bits of dollars simultaneously out of the system could create some real problems. It for might be system. one of the reasons why they raided the studio a year ago. I don't know. Just thinking. Hmm. You know, it might have been. But uh, just uh, to your point, your call, Mehdi, uh, the thing you brought up, this bank run thing, we actually did talk about that after you were off the line last week. We looked at the paper, and yeah, your assessment is correct. Instead of worrying that people are going to go into their uh, their their local bank and withdraw money in cash, they believe that their CBDC will be so great but they'll want to take the money out of their local bank and put it into their CBDC account because they think that they can offer a better uh, interest rate. I, I have so many questions. On the CBDC. Number one question. The, the CBDCs were created arguably by the government and banksters in cooperation with each other, right? Well, that's the thing. Right Actually, now, no. No? No. So that's, this is one of the weirdest things that's happening uh, right now is the, 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 the central bank and the commercial banks are for once not on the same side. They're fighting Which is this. bizarre right. given that yeah. the central bank is owned by the commercial banks. So, uh, but, but weirdly enough, the government is basically starting to cut the commercial banks out of the scam. So I just don't trust anything created by the government. No, and you shouldn't. Uh, but this, yeah, I mean, you, you're absolutely right about this, Peakless. This is a very unusual situation. They haven't come to uh, fisticuffs quite yet about it, but they are definitely having a battle of words over this. The central bank is saying, well, we really think we should have this CBDC, but they're not going so far as to say we're going to. What they're saying is, we really do want the other banks to be on board. So what can we do to get you guys to support this? Because if we do it and you don't agree with it, that's going to be bad because, you know, you're, you're our buddies and we don't want to piss you off. So what can we do? So and one of the hate things... hate to force you at the point of a gun to accept this. Yeah. I mean, they've always we done will, their bidding. We will, but we'd rather not. You've always done our bidding, little guys, and, you know, we, we don't want to kill you overnight. So... 
they're going to kill them off long term, and they want to come up with some sort of way to do this that can get the the other banks on board. And that's why they were saying that in order to prevent a quote unquote bank run, this sort of reverse bank run, where basically they believe money's going to move from the banking system into the central bank system. Which you know seems absurd, but then again, they believe that they could make that happen with a, a nice interest rate, and it wouldn't be hard to beat the existing bank's interest rates. And it's a central bank, so they can just set the interest rate at whatever they want. If they mm-hmm. want it to be five percent, if they want it to yep. be one percent, and one percent is probably ten times what one you would get. One million percent. It's yeah. the central bank. What are you going to do? Tell them now. So they said, well, we could just do without interest, and that would make it less likely for people to want to move all of their money into the central bank. Uh, digital currency so they haven't figured this out yet it would make me so happy if like this thing that they created that's supposed to be you know like their answer to cryptocurrency or whatever it Mm -hmm. is uh just totally failed and that'd be great (laughs) yeah i'd be like oh sweet something the the government had a hand in building failed again who could have known unfortunately they have the ability to force people to accept it but medi what else did you have to say about it and as far as um collaboration is concerned it's uh mit seems to be collaborating with Canada, as you said last week, that's right. something with the Canadian. Uh, and there's also a Federal Reserve Bank of Boston and MIT collaboration in a project called Project Hamilton. That's correct. Yeah, and they've come up with some code. Uh, they've open sourced it. And they, yeah. they've invited people to you know, come look at our code. This is our CBDC idea. So that's, what, that's where they're yeah. at right now. Mm. Yeah, and you can make a wallet. Like they have, I don't know how to run codes and stuff. But I start on Git something get github GitHub. Mm-hmm. so yeah so they sh- had a code they had a thing how you can actually like download the stuff and then create a wallet and you can test it one wallet to the other and stuff like that i mean oh wow i didn't know it had gone that far that's mm-hmm. interesting yeah so they have all of that there too. i don't know if any of you guys are into coding and stuff but they have a thing there where you can if i were i wouldn't and... want to spend time on a government uh, code but <laughs> no, but okay. vin armani did uh look or the, the artist formerly known as vin armani <laughs> he now calls himself cyprian uh he uh he did get the code and he did look at it and he you know he said it's exactly what you think it is this is the bitcoin's evil brother mm-hmm. although as an activist a person certainly could go and and download whatever it is and look at it and submit a whole bunch of bugs that well you know <laughs> are wrong or you know would otherwise you know be detrimental to the product i i guess as a form of activism somebody could do that yeah and they did uh, something where they wanted to uh like test it and the, the testing they said exceeded expectations achieving 1.7 million transactions per second yeah it's 99 settlement finality under two seconds but right. they said that the experiment found it is here. However, the experiment found that distributed ledger technology would not achieve its stated objectives because the project assumed the platform would be administered by a central actor. Yeah, right. so it's a central bank digital currency. Right, yeah, it's a central di- uh, database. So 1.7 million transactions a second is completely doable. You're just editing a database on a server somewhere. Yeah. So it's no problem. Uh, although the, the test did result in a higher throughput than, say, Visa currently has. So it, it is a lot of uh, transactions. And it is in under their total control. And that's the whole idea, that they don't oh, need yeah. another copy uh, somewhere else. They're going to have it in their house. And that's it. Medi, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate it. We'll keep an eye on the CBDC concept as it unfortunately likely develops. Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. And you can bring up 
whatever's on your mind at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We're going to get into the Yemen situation on the way here. And also, is the Russian bank going to start backing their currency with gold? I don't. I am skeptical of this claim, but uh, I know, Peakless, you wanted to talk about it. I love the news about them uh, going to accept uh, some crypto for their oil, apparently. They did say they'd be willing to accept Bitcoin for, yeah, Bitcoin for oil or gas, which is very interesting. We talked about that last night. Just think about that for a moment, listeners. Crypto, Bitcoin specifically, might be able to buy you some oil from Russia in which the United States government has said, we're going to boycott or whatever their term is for it. Right? Sanction. Sanction. Thank you. The, well, the the thing they didn't clarify, and I did look closer at the story we read last night, and they even say later on in the story that it's not clear. Uh, they didn't clarify from whom they will accept Bitcoin. True. Because this, the big news was that Russia has said now that they are not going to accept anything but rubles. Uh, meaning they're not they're not going to accept dollars and right. euros from quote unquote unfriendly countries. Right. And unfriendly countries is defined as any country that has engaged in sanctioning Russia at this right. point. So right. the uh, European Union, the United States, apparently Japan and South Korea were on that list as well. I well, welcome I mean, these so, things. I welcome the, these developments in in currency because yeah, yeah. there's already solutions. Right. Mm-hmm. There's already ways to transduce you know rubles into some cryptocurrency back into something else. Right. So these uh, methods exist they they haven't scaled yet but they do exist yeah so i mean it, it's to me it's kind of Im- amazing that they haven't cut off europe from their oil in the first place because europe imports the majority of 40 percent at least yeah. no no no. the majority it's like 57 percent if yeah, you go through 40 europe. to 50 the other day but whatever yeah uh, and by far, oh. by far, the largest. No, no, no. Uh, from from uh, Russia is like forty some odd percent. Yeah. But, okay. But uh, uh, total imports is like fifty seven percent. And yeah, by far the largest uh, chunk of that is, is from Russia. Russia. Like as I see it, what Russia is doing right now is they're like, well. We don't want to upset our neighbors any more than we have to, mm-hmm. so we're not going to cut off uh, the oil that you depend on to survive. We could, but we're going to be nice about it. However, you are sanctioning us, and if you're going to sanction us, then we're going to say, okay, you want to depend on our oil? Then prop up our currency yeah. that we were going to prop up with our foreign exchange that you told us we're not allowed to get anymore. So the the six hundred and uh, I forget is like six hundred and fifty, six hundred and seventy, whatever it is, uh, billion dollars that suddenly they're not allowed to access of their mm-hmm. own money because right. it's blocked in the banks. Right, that they were going to use to prop up the ruble. Uh, okay, you don't want to you don't want to let us prop up our money. Okay. You do it. Weren't they also going to use some of it for, to make like a debt payment as well, like a national? They owe money to the IMF <laughs> or something like that. Come on, man. Yeah. Let's be real. And then they they had to dig into their rubles basically in order to do it. It yeah, was inconvenient. That surprise for them. me. So yeah, the, the European Union, the United States are basically screwing the Russian people because it's always the people that oh, suffer yeah. the most yeah. under sanctions. Uh, but as you say, they are still willing to sell them oil. They're just demanding, okay, well now you have to pay in rubles. And mm-hmm. they're complaining. The European Union chancellors and all those people are complaining. Oh, you violated our contract. Mm-hmm. The contract says you have to pay in dollars or euros. And 
and now you've changed the terms. Well, uh, you guys are sanctioning them, so you're lucky they're going to do anything for you. Yeah, that contract was made when you weren't sanctioning us. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, it it is debatable whether sanctions count as an act of war. Either they way, sure they are like certainly it. a very aggressive act. Like yeah. you are, you are stopping peaceful people from voluntarily trading with each other. Right. That's what you're doing. Well, the Russian government isn't peaceful. Are, well, granted, well, and sure, neither is the European sure, Union. I mean, in theory, you're targeting these uh, non-peaceful actors, but as we just pointed out, it's not. It's not. Putin doesn't suffer from this. Mm, the right. Russian people suffer from this. Yeah, sanctions are, are in my mind, uh, indirect violence. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, they take away uh, the ability of choice. Right? They take so, options away from the marketplace. Yes, sure. absolutely. Yeah, so it, in, in that respect, it, it shouldn't exist. No uh, small group of people or one individual against another individual should have enough power to determine uh, how masses of people interact with each other and exchange with each other just shouldn't happen you had something also uh peakless that's related to this there's some Mm -hmm. sort of story about the russian government saying they're going to buy more gold Mm -hmm. and there's someone has extrapolated that maybe it's you to say that 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 means that the russian ruble is going to be that is my interpretation of, of this event so I mean, uh, hold on. Let me let me bring that up for you here. While you're doing that, nothing would make me happier than to see more currencies uh, backed by something, especially state-based currencies. You mean one currency? As far yeah. as I know, there's no state-based currency backed by anything. Yeah. So anywhere for it to be well, backed by something would would be an improvement. So technically, there are no uh, state-based currencies that are backed by anything. Mm -hmm. But really, and if you talk to any economist, they'll point out like, okay, so there was Bretton Woods and then there was Bretton Woods too. So like as soon as America stopped being backed by gold. 1971. Right. Well, we had to not have the entire world economy collapse somehow. So there was a series of deals made so that Saudi Arabia, who was the number one oil producer in the world at the time, and the rest of uh, the oil producing and exporting countries, OPEC, made a deal that they will only deal oil for dollars. So that way, okay, hey, I know we said we'd give you gold, but here's this. If you want oil, because, you know, 40% of the world's oil, uh, confirmed oil reserves at the time, uh, well, if you want if you want that oil, you have to have dollars anyway. So instead of having to take your money, turn it into our money, mm. and then buy oil, okay, you, you already have a bunch of our, our money that you thought you'd be able to exchange for gold. Okay, well, here's the next best thing. So... Technically, it wasn't oil-backed, partly because you'd have to say, okay, well, $1 is worth X amount of oil, and that's kind of impossible. Right. Uh, But it was basically oil-backed and has been for a very long time until now. Well, so I don't think of it as oil-backed. I I get where you're coming Mm -hmm. from, and I get why people would see it that way. Uh, I see currency backed by military force. Right, state-based mm. currencies. Every one of them backed Tomato, by military Tomato. force. The full faith and force of the United States government is what backs the United States dollar. Well, yeah. I mean, whenever I think about backing a currency, I think that the little guy can take that thing, that piece of paper, into an office and say, "Give me my backing." And you used to be able yeah, to do and in that. In this case, that's oil. <laughs> I, but I you don't ta- get that. 
Hmm? You don't get the the average person cannot go into the Saudi Arabian. That's been true for a really, really long time. Actual people haven't been able to exchange dollars for gold. That's in a what very I'm talking about. Time. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's been what's a long that's time. what people think about when they hear backed by. Hmm? Right. That that meant you could exchange the thing for the thing that it is backed by. And I don't think that's what you're going to be telling us about here with with Russian's ruble. But we'll get into it. I do want to hear about it uh, on the way at 603-283-6160. It would be amazing if that were actually the case. Well, and and as far as it being violence-backed, that and being oil-backed are basically the same thing. If you try and sell oil for not dollars, you'll have the U.S. military knocking on your door. Indeed. Well, that's now exactly what uh, China and apparently Saudi Arabia have been talking about. There's more coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. Join liberty-minded voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians from June 27th through July 3rd for the 6th Annual ForkFest at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which sold out for the first time in 2021. ForkFest takes place the week after ForkFest, but ForkFest is decentralized, which means that there's no ticket cost and no one is in charge. All you have to do to join the fun is reserve your camping site, RV site, or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 27th through July 3rd. There's no better place to celebrate Independence Day than around other freedom-loving activists in the Shire. You can find out more at the unofficial website, ForkFest.Party. You can also connect with other attendees on the ForkFest Telegram and Matrix chat rooms, as well as the ForkFest Forum. You can find links to those at ForkFest.Party. We hope to see you there. Forkfest.party. It's Free Talk Live. Phones are open here. You can join us on this live Saturday episode. The number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian. Beakless Mountaineer. Some guy with beard. Also saying thank you to Ellen Blanchard, who is a Free Talk Live supporter of our AMPS program. It's a Patreon. You can join over at amps.freetalklive.com. Ellen is a gold-level supporter, which means she's doing at least 10 bucks a month. So thank you, Ellen, for Thanks, the Ellen. support. We ask only for $5 a month, so if you want to sign up and get some cool benefits, get some perks over at amps.freetalklive.com. You can join Ellen and a few dozen, several dozen other people. Thank you to everyone who's backing us up. AMPS, by the way, stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. It's a way for you to help us get the ideas of liberty on more great radio stations around the country. We're on over 190 radio stations uh, throughout the week at various different times, and that could be 250 or 300. That is possible. Uh, but it does take time, it does take effort, and we appreciate your help with that. So thanks, Ellen. And once again, it's amps.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones here. Gary calling us from Kentucky. Gary, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hey, how you doing, guys? Good. Um, What's on your mind? What's up, Gary? You know, uh, hi. I caught the beginning of your show tonight, and I haven't been listening to the whole thing since then. So I don't know if you've talked about this yet, but uh, the Jeremy Kaufman ad, which is hilarious by the way and very on point and very biting uh um i actually watched the video after you played it and i really feel like that has to be the same person who did the uh uh vermin supreme and spike <laughs> cohen ads for the 2020 election hmm. okay i'm not familiar i don't know with who i mean if you've seen those well i think and i could be wrong but i think it's 
stand smart of the the system is down. It wouldn't surprise me. I've seen some of his work and it is really, really good. I mean, he's a very talented editor. (laughs) Uh, I met him for the first time actually at the Liberty Forum event that happened a few weeks ago in New Hampshire. The Free State Project, I guess, had hired him to come in and do video recording of all of their discussions and speeches and and they're releasing those videos on a once a week basis uh it's going to take some number of weeks to to do that probably like 15 weeks or something like that so yeah i did get to meet dan a really talented dude had some nice equipment and he seems to know what he's doing so yeah wouldn't surprise me if that's uh who was doing that it did definitely make me think of vermin supreme i'm like yes you Mm. have you have brought forward (laughs) the very best part of vermin supreme i'm so glad we're running you for senate yep yeah, I think, uh, and I've only listened to his podcast a handful of times, but I think I've heard him talk about that. And I also oh, Dan's podcast, okay, reached, yeah, which is sorry, called "The, the System, System Is Down." down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I think he said that they had uh, reached out to the jo- Jorgensen campaign and asked if they you know wanted them to do any ads or anything for him, but they weren't interested. If I'm mm-hmm. I. If I'm getting the story right, I think that's what. Yeah, they had, they had much less love... of a sense of humor in that campaign. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think there was another love... example of how this uh, Dan guy really just outshined the Libertarian Party itself at a national level. I remember last year they had raised something like $30,000 to do some sort of a media campaign. I forget what the issue was that they were uh, they were advertising. It might have been COVID-related or something like that, but... Uh, they spent all this time raising the money and all this time, and the, whoever it was they hired took forever. And I don't even know if they ended up coming out with something. If they did, it was just real shabby. And Dan like took the same issue and made a two minute ad or a one minute ad, and no one ever paid him for it or anything. Like he didn't ask for any money, and it just blew whatever it was they paid thirty thousand dollars for out of the water. Yeah, uh, that's so, how yeah. art works. Man. Anyway, Gary, you were getting at something there. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that I. I would love it if whoever is the uh, eventual 2024 Libertarian candidate, uh, especially if it were Dave Smith, if he could have uh, um, (laughs) this person, Dan Smoss, or whoever this is, uh, make some ads for him. I think that would be be great. Totally agree. Yeah. One thing I didn't get to ask Dan, because he was busy, right? Like when you're you're recording an event like that, you barely have time to to breathe. Mm -hmm. You're always tweaking the setup and making sure nothing breaks and... Uh, but I would like to talk to the guy and ask him if he's planning to move to New Hampshire because we need talent like that here. Obviously, yes. he's still willing to help from from not living here. I don't know where it is he's based out of. Um, and, and that's a nice thing about being a, t- a talented media person is you can kind of be based out of anywhere. And I'm glad to see that uh, Jeremy is availing himself, presuming it is, Dan, of this, whoever it is, of whoever this talented uh, editor is because that's the kind of thing that you need now whether or not it's going to actually end up getting jeremy any kind of attention from the mainstream media uh i i don't know i mean that of course is the, we shall see that is the challenge for a libertarian campaign is to actually make any kind of impact into well, the, the average voters and well uh, i mean mainstream. something like that though it it doesn't really matter if the mainstream media ignores it because if like, it goes viral right yeah. exactly yeah. like people, it doesn't matter if the corporate press ignores it i mean it's bingo as long as the uh <laughs> the new media picks it up exactly and this is being shared quite a bit um it just came out this afternoon the video that we played at the very beginning of the show if you missed it i did post a link to it on our social media so you can go to social.freetalklive.com and you can find it there um the uh, the video has been blowing up i mean in the just the first 
maybe six hours of it being online. It's over 10,000 views on Twitter, the Twitter version of it. Nice. And there's also a YouTube version that's up to some number of hundreds at, at this point. So the one that's really being passed around seems like the, the Twitter version. And I, on, I only scolded Jeremy online because there's not an Odyssey version. I'm like, come on, bro. <laughs> yeah. where, where's, yeah, where's the Odyssey link? I want to share the Odyssey you one. Thick, not really. the, I just watched it on Odyssey. I don't know who the poster was, but uh, I know I, I'm sure it took, I saw it on Odyssey. It took some you know freedom-minded person they put for it seconds to go why isn't this on odyssey and then it showed up all right good good to know uh anything else gary you want to share tonight uh that's it so are is jeremy's campaign going to encourage you to move to new hampshire and help him uh i i don't know i mean um i'm kind of in the other end of the country i'm in arizona well i'm actually working in kentucky Uh, hey i moved from colorado Uh, it's worth i don't know i've been I have visited New Hampshire. I met Ian. Oh. I was working down in Hartford, like oh, probably a decade ago now, and uh, I have it was a, a great place. I have, but... a, I have a quick question for you, since you're in Kentucky. It's unrelated to anything we've talked about so far. Uh, <laughs> do they have KFC? And if so, are they just called fried chicken? <laughs> uh, yes, but you know, when I went to the airport, um, they had a. It was actually called Kentucky Fried Chicken at the Louisville Airport. Mm. But I went up and I said, I looked at the menu and they had like nuggets and tenders. And I said, do you have any, just any chicken? Oh, no. Sorry. We just have nuggets. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it didn't say KFC. It literally it was Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah, mm. that's a rarity. Chicken. Gary, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. The number is 603-283-6160. Steven is in North Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live. Steven. Hey, uh, I want to do two things, just talk to you all about two things if I can. One, um, Sarah in um, New Mexico seems very um, negative about the place that she lives. So, Sarah, if you're listening to this, there's a bunch of communist communes um, in the New York and Virginia area. I will happily pay for you to move there. I'll buy your bus ticket or your U-Haul rental if you get accepted there. Um, you seem very unhappy. Uh, you seem very bitter. Um, and I don't think that's healthy for you. So I will help you be happy. Now, well, hold on. Uh, Where did you say these communes were? In Virginia? Uh, there's a bunch in Northwest Virginia. Huh. Wait, Northwest Virginia or Northwest yes. Virginia? The, oh, good. The Northwest part of the state of Virginia. Well, now, normally, Sarah doesn't listen to Free Talk Live. No, that's true, ever. Because she just, this, she just considers it her mission to call talk shows. So we're just on her list of shows. I don't know who oh. else she gets through. Because, like, you know, normally if you're a chronic spread caller. Spread the word of communism because apparently no one's ever heard of it. Yeah, normally if you're a chronic caller like Sarah, you probably don't get on a lot of the local talk shows because they're probably sick of her. Uh, but uh, but she anybody can get on Free Talk Live. It's not hard to get on this show. It just so happens, Stephen, that she is on hold right now. Oh, so can we do it? I want to I want to have you hang on, and we're, we're going to bring Sarah That's on good. the line with you, uh, and you can make that okay. offer directly to her. I think it's a really generous. Uh, really generous offer because yeah. Sarah has said that it's too expensive, you know, for her to to move to somewhere like North Korea or Canada where she may fit in better. But now he's saying he'll pick up the tab. So I want to hear what she has to say. Coming up, free talk live. The phones are open here six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. That's six zero three two eight three six one six zero. And sometimes. 
it's rare, but we can actually help make dreams come true. Something I like to do when something goes right in your life uh, is, it's sort of a version of manifesting, right? Mm -hmm. You just go, what else can go right? Mm. And inevitably something does. That's a good one. So I I just say that in response to this opportunity presenting itself. What else can go right? Indeed. And you could be that right thing if you want to call in and join the show at 603-283-6160. Maybe you have a comment on something we've already discussed, uh, or you want to bring up something completely different. Feel free. 603-283-6160. It's Ian Peakless Mountaineer and Captain Kickass in the studio. We're going to bring Steven back on the line here. Uh, and Steven, you're in, calling from Northwest Georgia. You've heard Sarah's calls night after night. She's probably the most reliable caller uh, in radio, she calls every night like a clock, uh, without fail. We don't generally agree with her. She's a self-described a communist, and we've we've suggested to her over the the last several months when she's been really hitting the communism topic pretty hard that there are better places. I mean, New Mexico is a pretty statist place, no doubt about it. It's one of the most statist of all of uh, the United States, but maybe not the most communist. No, um, but uh, maybe she'd feel better in a place like North Korea, or you know, maybe even Canada, where they've got free health, you know, so called free healthcare, universal healthcare. And she's she's turned down the offers. But Stephen, you've made a very generous offer tonight to Sarah, and I want to bring her on the line because she happened to call in. And Sarah, I know you were calling for a different reason, and we can get to your normal reason for calling here in in just a moment. But you were on hold for Stephen's entire call. Just to recap, uh, Stephen, can you just, for listeners just tuning in, can you make your offer to Sarah again? So, Sarah, I'm very concerned for you. You always seem unhappy, negative, um, just distraught with your location. So, out of goodwill, I disagree with 99% of what you believe politically. uh, But for goodwill, what I'm willing to do um, is pay for you to move to um, one of these communist commune, communes. Um, I know that there's a few of them in the northwest part of the state of Virginia, um, and there's a few of them in New York. Um, there is an application process. I'm not familiar with what that is, but if you get uh, accepted, I will pay for your travel expenses. Now, I should have asked, Sarah, are you with us? Because your line was on hold, but I presumed that you were there. Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, we've yeah, got I you loud go- and clear. What are your, what are your thoughts, on, Sarah, on that generous offer from Stephen? Well, you know what? I appreciate... You know, him listening to me and thinking about what I said and also the offering the offer. But, you know, this is a very, uh, New Mexico, even though I see a lot of wrong things about it, but there's a lot of things I like about New Mexico. The thing is that it's a very democratic state. So there's a lot of socialism here. Well, not compared to New York. I mean, New York is a way more democratic state. And socialist. Yeah. I mean, they're both blue states, but nothing compares to actually being on a commune. I mean, as far as somebody who describes, self-describes as a communist, you would actually get to live your philosophy instead of just calling in to talk radio about it and hoping and hoping that some politician is going to take up this mantle, which none of them are doing, at least not openly. Uh, you, you know, you don't live in communism full on. And that's what Stephen is, is saying here. He knows of existing communes and he's willing to actually pay to have you sent there. However, you do have to apply. And this is where my concern comes in, Sarah and Stephen. I, I just don't know if Sarah would be accepted to a commune because she doesn't like to work. 
Well, the thing is, I'm sure that as long as I'll get my check there, but first of all, I do like the climate here in New Mexico, even though the allergy is the worst. I mean, we we have like... But, uh, Sarah, sometimes... before you go on about why you love New Mexico, let's go on, let's talk about living in a commune. When you're in a commune, I've never lived in one, but my understanding is you're generally expected to contribute something. Well, we should probably ask, has Sarah ever been to a commune? Mm, good question. Well, I mean, that's not necessary for me. I mean, um, so no, with no, you haven't. Okay. You've never been to no, a commune. You've never visited one, or uh, you know. No, I'm not that interested. No, no. Huh? Um, could would you? I know you say you've got bipolar, and that's your reason for not working. Do you think that a bipolar diagnosis or whatever, being bipolar, does that mean you can't go and tend a garden? do stuff like that but i help richard with the, the network marketing i hand out business cards so mm-hmm. i do a lot but that's, of but that's capitalism work there like that's capitalist yeah but see but the thing is you know what i i happen to live in a mixed economy so well, you I don't have, have to, to though myself. that's that's optional so you don't want to go to the commune is what you're saying no because i like to live in a real life uh you know, like a lot of things to do here in Albuquerque. I gotta say, uh, I question you in those communes. I, yeah, I, I question your uh, seriousness about being a communist. Me at this too. Point. Who's doing the dishes, by the way? I hear some clanging going or, going on in the background. Is that you, Stephen? Oh, I will go to a quieter place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm at work. Oh, do you actually work in a kitchen? Yeah. Oh, okay. Very good. I appreciate you uh, calling in from work. <laughs> Did you have any comments for Sarah listening to this conversation uh, and her basically rejecting your generous offer? I mean, here's the deal, Sarah. You've got you've got to be serious about what you say, right? If you, I believe in the Bible. This where you are, boomy. Um, but the Bible is very clear about let your yays be yays and your nays be nays. So if you keep saying that you're unhappy and you want something better, make it happen. Or else just stop talking about it. Mm. Right? Good advice. Well, you should stop listening to the show if you're tired of listening to me. You know? <laughs> well, you're only on the show for like five five minutes out of 180, so it's not a big deal. Well, and I'm I mean, just really concerned if, for people like you. Yeah, I mean, if and, communism is so great, then like, what could possibly be worth not living in communism? Well, it, it's important. I live in a communist state. You know, the no, Democratic Party... Democratic Party. You already said, Sarah, you are selling network marketing. That is not, that would not exist in a communist state. Stephen, thanks for the call. Thanks for the generous uh, uh, offer there to Sarah. I'm really glad that. There is one thing I would like to talk to you all about. Uh, all right, I'll put Sarah back on hold here. Stand by, Sarah. Okay. Because she did call in for a a reason, so I'll let her get to that coming up here. Go go ahead, Stephen. Yeah, so um, I want to just talk history for a second. Naval blockades. Uh, were used, you know, for a couple hundred years, potentially a couple thousand years. And essentially what would happen with naval blockade is ships would uh, lie, surround a country, mm-hmm. their border, their their coastline, yep. and they would say anybody that crosses this dies. Um, and that would cut off trade for that particular country. Um, and that was 100% an act of war. Now, um, Didn't so the United States do that for oil when it came to Japan? And that's one of the reasons why Japan uh, struck against Pearl Harbor? 
That's a question that I don't have the answer to. I mm-hmm. know that we stopped trading oil to them. I don't think we kept them from getting oil. Mm. But a naval blockade is, hey, our Navy is going to keep you from getting the supplies you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and a fun fact, um, historically, there's always been a system to make sure that the rulers of the country got what they needed. So um, when we surrounded Italy during World War II, or not us, in Britain surrounded Italy in World War II, um, they allowed the French to send them wine. Uh, they allowed the French to send them champagne because, well, the only people they can afford champagne back in that point in time were the leaders of Italy. And the leaders of Italy, even though they're the ones causing the nonsense, um, they still need their high-end goods. So the reason I bring this up is if you're creating an embargo, if you're saying, hey, we're not trading with you anymore, we're not going to allow your people to have the necessary things for life, and we're just going to let them die, that's 100% an act of war. Mm -hmm. Doing what we're doing with the Russian people is 100% an act of war. I agree. Thank you for the call tonight, Stephen. I appreciate hearing from you. Good thought. Well laid out. Sarah's back. Uh, Sarah, what were you calling about tonight prior to Stephen's offer? Oh, yes. What I want to talk about, did you know that while the pandemic is almost over, so it turns out that more of the men went back to work, but the women, there is a lot of women did not go back to work. Those lazy bitches. <laughs> no, but I mean, is that because they had, have their men go out and go get a uh, work rec- and they're lazy being at home? Or record, did they get more boyfriends? Or what happened? Sarah, record numbers of people uh, stopped working at all. Uh, it's called the Great Resignation. And uh, I, that's why the job market is so hot right now. Like, if you're looking for a job and you can't get one, something is wrong with you. Like you have a horrible personality or, you know, there's something in your history or you someone know, put your bed in the wall. Something. Yeah. Something is wrong with you that, that you can't get hired. So, Sarah, I mean, you should know a thing or two about being a woman who doesn't work. I don't know why this is confusing. How come the men, most of the men did go back to work, but women, there's only yeah, why like didn't they the unite against the oppressors. <laughs> Thanks for the call tonight, Sarah. The number, if you want to join us here. Hour number three is on the way. The Russian ruble being backed by gold. We'll talk about it coming up. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the third hour here on the live Saturday show. Phones are open. If you want to join us here, the number is 603-283-6160. At 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, it's Ian. People spouting here. And uh, some sexist guy, apparently. 603-283-6160. So, people, uh, we'd started to talk about, and then callers called in, and that's what happens on Free Talk Live sometimes. But we'd started to talk about this topic you brought in tonight, uh, which is Russia and the ruble, and some sort of a relation to gold. You use mm-hmm. the term backing. Mm-hmm. Captain and I are skeptical of that. Uh, but uh, what were you trying to get at before we ended up with, I don't know, six Tangents. phone calls? Yes. All right. So this is a, a, a translated thing that they uh, that the Russian bank put out. Um, information on the purchase of gold by the Bank of Russia on the domestic market. Uh In order to balance supply and demand in domestic precious metals market, the Bank of Russia will buy gold from credit institutions at a fixed price from March 28th of this year 
the price for uh, from March 28th to, to June 30th inclusive will be 5,000 rubles per one gram. So okay. now the the thing that that stands out to that uh, to me on that is like it, it reminds me of how how we used to have the okay so for thirty five U S dollars you would get one ounce of gold so I mean at least during this this was back when the dollar actually had gold back right right exactly and I mean at least in this limited way and during this particular time frame like this is basically the institution of a of pegging the ruble to gold. Which, I mean... Well, there's one thing about Russia buying up a bunch of gold. There's a whole other thing about it making their currency backed by that particular precious metal. Well, I mean, they're setting a very specific exchange rate on this thing. So I'm But I'm who's going to take it? I just looked at the numbers here. Right, 5,000 just... ru- 5, rubles, at least according to the current exchange rate, is roughly about 50 U.S. dollars. And the price of a gram of gold at spot is 63-something. Of a gram? Yeah. Hmm. So, well, I mean, who, who's going to take that deal? Right. And, th- and that's what I'm wondering about this is because, like... Usually, you can't say there's a specific amount that we're going to do. It's you have to you have to adjust to the market and yeah. both in in the gold itself and in how much the ruble is being worth. So I mean, right? And remember, unless you're buying, and I imagine the Russian government can get pretty close to spot, right? Because you don't. If you and I were to go out and look for a whole ounce, let mm-hmm. alone a gram of gold, of course, the gram price is going to be way higher than the ounce price due to the fact that it's smaller and it takes manufacturing and and all that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, at the at the ounce price of right now nineteen hundred and sixty six dollars, you cannot find an ounce of gold at spot right you can't find it unless you know somebody who's like a crack addict and he wants to sell you his dad's ounce of gold that he just stole uh after he smashed into the the wall and found you know the ounce hiding there and it's like wants to buy some crack and no one is going to sell you an ounce of gold at spot who's right. sane yeah. you're going to likely pay a few hundred dollars at least on top of that price if you can even find the ounce of gold mm-hmm. uh to purchase on the marketplace okay, so, so th- i don't know i don't buy this just let's just take another country as an example and maybe this will help draw the line that i'm failing to understand the united states let's say they offer to buy a bunch of gold right mm-hmm. and so people start showing up wherever central banks or whatever hey i got some gold you said you'd sell it to me okay and they sell the gold how does that make the dollar backed by gold it's not well i mean this is what i'm wondering about because like you can't do this but they're doing it so if they're saying one gram of gold is worth five thousand rubles i mean the only, but the they only... won't give you gold if you go to the central bank and say, "I've got five thousand rubles." They're saying they're going to buy it for that price, mm. and there's well, no one who's going to sell it for that price unless they're desperate. Well, I mean, given the circumstance that we're in, they only have so many options right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those options that I'm sure they don't want to take is to start moving their economy over to the yuan. Because if they mm. start doing that, they're going to become most likely uh, basically a satellite country of China. But why would they do they that? Want. They have their own central bank. Right. Certainly that's something they want. Well, because they've been kicked off of SWIFT. And they've got to be on some kind of, uh, of mm. uh, money transferring system. So, mm. like, are they going to build their own? Are they going to go to China's? But we do know that they have bought up a lot of gold. Like as soon as so in 2014, uh, the U.S. ran a coup in in the Ukraine, uh, or sorry, in Ukraine, and 
ever since that point, they have uh, pulled all of their, uh, uh, one by one, they have pulled all of their investment in the U.S. dollar out and started investing in gold. So, like, if the if they're right now, again, buying a whole bunch of gold up and they're saying this is the set price for gold, they're at least laying the groundwork for for having a gold-backed ruble. It's it, an interesting theory. It would be nice. And I'm all for you know, anybody buying up a bunch of gold because, well, you know, if I happen to have some, why, that makes my gold go up. Well, they have been, by the way. Before this announcement, there, I remember seeing years ago news that the, Russia was buying an S-ton of gold and locking it away in whatever mm-hmm. their equivalent of Fort Knox is there, the Kremlin or wherever yeah. it is they store, they store it. So they have been known in recent years for buying a lot of gold, maybe because they knew that something was on the horizon. You know, right? They they obviously seem to have seen that there was a, an economic problem with the U.S. Mm-hmm. on the on the horizon. So they started moving away from the U.S. dollar and locking up a bunch of commodities. And that's that's one of the things where like they have a lot of gold, and they are the largest producer of grains in the world. So I mean, they have a real po- a possibility of backing their currency in commodities. Which is is quite a thing. Uh, not to mention the fact that they are the number two producer of oil in the world. So like, mm. uh, so these are the things that that are uh, I think are are actually really 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 important. Like number one, we have uh, the the total breakdown of the petrodollar. Like we are watching the absolute breakdown of the of the petrodollar. It's about damn time. Yes, it absolutely is. Uh, number two, we are we are playing with the possibility of actually going back to like centrally uh, banked and issued currencies, backing the the uh, commodities of that country or of other countries. When we're talking about the the petro yuan, uh, with Saudi Arabia entering into negotiations with China about, mm-hmm. also we have the possibility of a petro bitcoin. That is news. I mean, everything. That's huge. Yeah, that that yeah. It, like just the fact that they were willing to say that if the reports are true, that they would consider cryptocurrency. Just considering it, mm-hmm. thinking about the possibility of considering. They didn't say that. Bitcoin. They said they would right. do it. I know. Just them saying it alone yeah. should be a boon to the cryptocurrency economy. Well, and that might very well be part of what's kept it up because uh, what we've seen in the stock. So what has generally happened recently with Bitcoin and its price is that it has pretty much been shadowing the the stock market prices. And right now we've been watching like complete instability in the stock market. And especially like the the tech stocks are getting creamed and uh, technology stocks are are basically the the riskier of the stock uh, things that you can get into. Mm -hmm. And and that's also the same sort of category as uh, as as Bitcoin is to most people, unfortunately, is they see it as a, a high risk, high return speculative investment. Just like the tech stocks, but the tech stocks have been getting absolutely creamed, which has everything to do with the fact that our uh, our inflation is getting huge, and and Bitcoin has been pretty much left alone. I would love nothing more than to see the tech industry adopt cryptocurrency internally, like b- between themselves, like come to an agreement, right? As an industry, like industries do this mm-hmm. all the time. There's standard. something called industry standard that mm-hmm. a lot of industries follow, 
right? And it would please me yeah. to see the tech industry. It's been spotted at best a few here and there. I think Microsoft yeah. was taking Bitcoin at some point. I don't know if they still are. It was one of the most surprising things to me living in Seattle when I did during the advent of Bitcoin and all this kind of thing. How there were a couple of conferences that were held there, but how Bitcoin little conference? Y- yeah, or gatherings, I guess, you know, meetups, that kind of a thing that got some publicity. But by and large, even today, you can't go out and like buy something in crypto in Seattle proper. We got more coming up here. Uh, you can share your thoughts. Plus, uh, the Yemen situation, we didn't get into that either. And Picos, I know you wanted to talk about that. Are we and we, if we get a chance, we'll get into bullying as well. Uh, the number here is 603 283 6160. And of course, your calls are welcome about whatever you want to discuss on the radio with us on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Phones are open and we do a live talk radio show seven nights a week, so you're welcome to join us any old night from 7 to 10 at night Eastern Time. The phone numbers are always the same at 603-283-6160. We also have an alternative way to call in, and that is our SIP line. You can go learn more about it at sip.freetalklive.com. That'll actually take you over to a forum post that I made on the Free Talk Live forum, which because it does take some steps to get into the SIP line. But once you get it all set up, it's just you punch a button and you're on our lines. And it sounds a lot better usually than a telephone call. So go to sip.freetalklive.com to learn about that. Here in the studio, you've got Ian. Peakless Mountaineer. And the Reverend Captain Kickass. We're talking about some uh, international money-related stuff. Russian oil now available only to uh, to the unfriendly countries of the mm-hmm. United States and European Union, Australia, I think, I think Japan, uh, South Korea. There's probably another couple of them. The countries that have uh, engaged in some form of sanctioning on Russia are now being told by Russia that they're only going to be allowed to buy oil in the Russian ruble. Which is a pretty huge change for the international oil market. But what's wrong with that? Like nothing. I think it's great. Shouldn't any that's fantastic. Anybody yeah. vending anything be able to choose the currency they accept? Yeah. And honestly, here's what I'm looking forward to. So the U.S. is being dethroned as the world reserve currency, and there's going to be this big fight about okay, you can get oil in yuan, you can get oil in dollars, you mm-hmm. can get oil in rubles, and Bitcoin's going to win. Like cryptocurrency is going to be the reserve currency of the world. It's a superior technology. It's neutral. It, it, it's open. So it's borderless. It's easier than yeah. sending a bank transfer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's faster. It doesn't require any any middleman. I mean, you just get it done. It's censorship-resistant. It's, it's been proven. Yeah. I mean, governments, banks, hackers have all been attacking cryptocurrencies of every sort, mm-hmm. but specifically the big dog, BTC, since its inception, and it's still here, guys. Yeah, I wonder if Satoshi Nakamoto, the anonymous creator of Bitcoin, who has not been heard from since 2011, yeah. I think, uh, but I wonder if Satoshi saw this coming. I had certainly not read many of his writings. I know he wrote, you know, some things back in the day. But did he envision the governments of the world actually taking his technology and adopting it in I, some sort of official way? I don't know. Everything that of his that I've been exposed to, uh, the insinuation I got was that he just really wanted something for individuals peer-to-peer yeah he wanted to undermine the the states undermine the central banks i I know he 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 
a lot of the the technology was a response to the 2008 crisis well, that's because right. the the United States dollar had had caused so many problems but let's talk about uh, you know government i know things haven't been going well in Ve- Ve- uh, venezuela el salvador. el salvador wherever they've adopted forcefully right by yep. force of the state we talked saying, about some of that last is, night right uh, Which but i still f- see as an improvement to where they were because they were forcefully uh, making people use us dollars mm, yeah. But if if something like Bitcoin is going to be the exchange medium for something like oil, the one benefit that it has that above all the other ones is that it makes everybody at the table honest. You can't mm-hmm. counterfeit Bitcoin. Right. That's true. You can't you can't inflate it, you can't I mean nothing. Right. So it's gonna keep everybody at the table mm. on an honest playing field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be really interesting when somebody finally does use Bitcoin to buy oil. Because we know the Russians have now said they will accept it. Yeah. But yeah, the question now, is, who's going to be the first? Now, if they start moving into that space, because that's the thing, it's it's an adaptation. It's a new technology. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to make changes. Now, if they get the jump on this and they start moving into selling first oil mover for advantage. Bitcoin, yeah. exactly, they get the first mover advantage. They're mm-hmm. the first country that's st- the, the first like major oil producing country that starts moving into digital, uh, completely neutral and uncensorable currency. I mean, okay, so you will have the United States and China fighting over these scraps, honestly, at this point, going, I'm going to be the petrodollar, I'm going to be the petro yuan, Mm -hmm. and you're both going to lose. Like, this is inevitable. There is a better technology that blows yours out of the water. You brought up the the, the big three, we'll call them, right? China, uh, Russia, loosely, uh, and the United States. Mm -hmm. These are the three top dogs, right? Uh, if one of them begins using real cryptocurrency, not some manufactured thing, it's a win for everybody, man. Mm-hmm. It really is, and that's and that's a, a real choice. Like so, right now, Russia. I mean, they could decide that they're going to try and compete in the petro in the petro currency. They could decide that they're going to start backing theirs with gold. Or they could just go directly into, let's just use the better technology. So the question I like to ask people frequently when I when I talk about you know voluntarism, anarchism, right, that type of thing is, who regulates international markets? And in this case, our international market is these big three, right? Russia, United States, and, and China. Who regulates those people when it comes to trading with each other? Uh, the International Monetary Fund and no, the Bank for International Set. No, that's not true. That's that's the paper that they write it down on when they agree to something. But it's the three of them, the, their heads, their leaders, their you know teams of people, whatever it is, they regulate it themselves. Right? Sure, they don't mm. look to anybody else. Right, and and they do it by force of military. Right, who's who's got the bigger you know military in this case? Right. And so that's how they do it, right? And we see this in the form of sanctions and all that kind of stuff, right? If something like cryptocurrency could be adopted, then, of course, that changes that whole dynamic completely. It forces these nations, states on every level of statism, whether it's, you know, the big three or it's, you know, the town clerk across the street, you know, it's, it's a game changer, full on game changer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once once it's done, it's done. There's no going back on it, and you don't need to use guns to enforce it. 
There's uh, news from Al Jazeera about targeting the Russian gold. So this may be a reason why Russia perhaps is looking at Bitcoin, because now the uh, the United States and other Western quote-unquote powers are taking actions. I just love how almost everything states do in 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 a sort of a a frenzy of like trying to get away from cryptocurrency only makes cryptocurrency better and only proves its use case. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thursday, the U.S. and its allies announced further sanctions targeting Russia's defense sector, among others, and blocked financial transactions involving the Russian central bank's international reserves of gold. Mm -hmm. The restrictions are designed to limit their ability to use gold to circumvent punishing Western sanctions. So they they already figured out, okay, well, they're going to try to go after their gold, and we're just not going to let them get to it. And if they if they cut off access to their gold, then that's going to make Russia think real hard about alternative options. Yeah, I know there's been something somewhere about uh, how uh, these are the things that we will do to you if you accept Russian gold. Like the, you better make sure that this gold that you've got isn't, isn't from Russia. The government of uh, Putin has spent years building its reserves and currently has the fifth largest stockpile of gold in the world. But how much of it is actually located to in vamp, Russia? To vamp on your bit earlier, what would it look like if Russia developed a gold-backed CBDC? Mm. CBDC? Did I say that right? Yeah, I don't know if any... Uh, well, again, central banks are going to tend to shy away from backing anything because they like being able to print. So I don't see If you're those being things. sanctioned, desperate times call for well, desperate measures. That's a good question. So we'll see how this uh, shakes out. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can join the show here. Just dial in at 603-283-6160. Live Saturday show. It's Ian Peakless Mountaineer and Captain Kickass here in the studio. Present. We've been talking about the different options that Russia has at their on their hands. They've obviously had a lot of options taken off the table as far as these government sanctions, and now they're sanctioning even harder <laughs> as of Thursday. Uh, various different news media here, uh, Al Jazeera, CBS, announcing that these are additional sanctions, basically telling people... That you can't use gold to do any kind of business with anyone in Russia, apparently, because that's one way you could get around the bank transfer uh, sanctions. Although it's a lot harder to use gold in any sort of, you know, international <laughs> ever, means. Ever carried more than you know a gold coin in your pocket? Gold gets heavy real quick. Unless, of course, you're using a gold-backed stable coin, yeah. which is an interesting, you know, alternative. Uh, but again, taking delivery of that gold might be difficult. So, like, if you if the gold-backed stablecoin has a vault in the United States and Russia says they want their gold, then they're probably not going to let you ship it to them. Now, is this guess. gold specifically, or is it like a all precious metals inclusive type deal? I don't know. I haven't read the actual you know text yeah. of whatever the sanctions okay. are. I mean, the one they're talking about is gold, but I imagine they would do the same thing to platinum or diamonds, silver, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, okay. So that's happening now. But we're going to go to your well, phone calls. Huh? And yes. just a, a quick note on this: like, if you're talking about ramping up the sanctions, uh, you still have a huge hole that you can drive a Mack truck through because the United States is not sanctioning the oil. So, like, you are still you are still letting other people use your system to buy oil from Russia. 
what system? Swift? Swift, yes. Mm. Swift is still allowing the purchase of oil from Russia. I have heard a couple things. I've heard that Swift, that the sanctions have applied to certain Russian banks, but I've also heard that there's an exemption for oil purchases from mm-hmm. those banks. Yep, exactly. Uh, all right, let's go to your calls here, Anthos. Gigi is on the line listening in South Carolina to WTMA in Charleston. Go ahead, Gigi. Good evening, gentlemen. A pleasure, as always, listening to the wonderful, varied discussions. Thanks. I'm calling in response to Daniel, who called earlier regarding his having been involuntarily committed. Yeah. Now, I know from a legal background that I have, many, many states in our country have similar opportunities whereby the police, if they deem an individual is dangerous to harm his or herself or will harm others, they can be arrested and placed in a facility up to a certain number of hours. Generally, it's 72 is just right. pretty much the some standard. Some states are 36, yeah. some red, states red flag are logs, 72. Right? No, not red flag. This, uh, we're talking about uh, involuntary commitment. As, okay. This is known as being Baker-acted. That's now, in the state of Florida. It's called a Baker-act in the state correct. of Florida. Now, if Daniel feels that his due process was violated by the state, by the police, and perhaps by a particular institution where mm-hmm. he was kept, mm-hmm. then he should seek legal recourse. How do you fight an involuntary commitment? You go and you petition the court after the fact regarding a due process violation. But hold on. I mean, let's let's my understanding of how this works is somebody calls the cops and they say, Daniel or whoever we're talking about, right, right. I believe is willing is possibly going to hurt himself or hurt another person. And then Correct. boom, the system goes into action, men with guns show up, and Daniel or whoever we're talking about gets thrown into a mental ward. Oh, not only men with guns, men and women with guns and now tasers. Sure. Let's sure. not forget that. But where's the due process? I mean this I whole agree thing with you. I agree with you. That's why it is imperative to follow up with a question regarding were my due process rights violated just because police or a police officer or several police officers make a decision, well, he's harmful to himself or others, this person needs to be committed, we're going to arrest you and take you somewhere, that doesn't necessarily mean it's legal. Uh, right. Mm. Gigi, do you have experience defending, you know, somebody with, you know, I don't know what to call it. Not in South Carolina, no. Are you a lawyer? Not in South Carolina. But you were elsewhere? Correct. Okay, so what do pro- do process rights do these people have? I mean, the whole idea behind involuntary commitment it seems to be to run, do an end run around any kind of uh, due process. Regretfully, it's- it is often an after-the-fact circumstance. However, it is still a viable option hmm. for Daniel should he feel he needs to pursue this just because police should he could you know find a lawyer who wants to take the case doesn't mean it was kosher yeah Yeah. well that's the thing it's like it seems like it's a he said she said thing 
GG's. I would also like to follow up with something else. There okay. is a gentleman who is a chronic caller, to use your expression, which I adore. Uh, I believe his name is David from the state of New Mexico. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I listen to your program almost every Saturday evening oh, here you. in Charleston. Yes, I enjoy it. And this particular man is constantly complaining about the judges, the family court, sure. taking his children away, things of that nature. If this particular gentleman named David feels that strongly about what has happened to him as a father, as a citizen, as a resident of New Mexico, he has legal recourse. He can file petitions on his own. I think he's tried with, that. I, I mean, I, he's like Let you say, finish. he's okay. Or with legal representation to have a particular judge disqualified, get the case transferred in front of another judge, or file a complaint with the circuit court of his county in New Mexico, and the head judge of the circuit court, the chief judge of the family court division, will read a complaint by law. Anybody can do that on their own. I get what you're saying, Gigi. Yes, sir. Uh, and I understand that, you know, you work in the, the system, you've you've been an attorney elsewhere, and, and this has been your experience. And uh, having heard from David, as you say, he's a regular caller to the show, and, yes, and, he's, and you listen on Saturday nights, but we're here seven nights a week, and he calls yes, more sir. often. He calls more <laughs> often than just Saturday nights. We've heard a lot of his story over the I years. I believe you. And I just want to, you know, I'm going to come up with what, if we had him on the line, and I'm actually surprised surprised we don't at this point in the show but i was if, i was looking too to a, see can we do two for two <laughs> i would be pleasantly surprised to find out that there was some legal recourse that he has not taken yeah i i would be too i mean he I seems to be a man who gg i just want to answer what you said here he, yeah. he, he said he, he has said he has exhaustively spent time working to try to get some form of justice through this system and has ultimately come to the conclusion that the entire thing is so corrupt from top to bottom that it cannot it is just not going to happen like his kids are going to I turn have 18 been in circumstances legally in the state of Florida and in the state of California where I have on behalf of others and on behalf of myself filed grievances, in other words, a legal petition with the chief judge. I believe you. I believe you. And, you know, maybe you've got what it takes. Maybe, Gigi, and thank you for the call tonight. I I do appreciate it. I mean, she sounds like a lady that knows her, you know, the ins and outs of the system. And I mean, I, I understand that her belief system is if you just, you know, get the right lawyer, then things can go in your direction. But I, the guy's if been trying to fight for, for your rights. Surely they will give them to you. Yeah, I just don't. I mean, I, thank you, Gigi, for the call. But D- David has been trying for so long and literally his kids are about to turn 18 uh, and one of them may have already done so. So, I mean, time's up at this point. There's more coming up here. Uh, you can join the show. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. 
Uh, phones are open here in the remaining moments. We might be able to get you in at 603-283-6160. If not, you can always call tomorrow. The captain will be heading up the show. Uh, on I the will, won't I? Live Sunday show, which, uh, as we say, we're on seven nights a week, seven to ten at night Eastern time. If you can't get us on the radio, where you are located all seven nights, you can always get us online anytime you want. I got all sorts of fun lined up for tomorrow too. So good. So head on over to freetalklive.com, and also want to say thanks to Timothy Conrad, who is a oh, sorry Conard Timothy Timothy Conard. Oh, that's way better. I was. Just going to say, don't trust a man with two first names. <laughs> Timothy. What about a man with two last names? I guess that's okay. Do I trust them double? Uh, no, just, uh, you know, it's only if they have two first names. Timothy's a platinum level subscriber over on our AMPS program. AMPS is Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support, and it is a Patreon, which you can join. Timothy's doing at least 25 bucks a month, so thanks, Timothy. Uh, but we only ask for five, so if you want to help us out, help us get on more radio stations, for instance, and spread the ideas of freedom, please go to amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. As we go to your calls and your thoughts, uh, you summoned him. Here he is, David in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, Gigi, I have done everything that you mentioned multiple times, and I hold the piece of paper that says unanimous three-judge, you called it a circuit court, but court of appeals win, saying that I win. David Olson win. David mm-hmm. Olson is correct. And that it, reversing lower court judge, M. Monica Zamora, remanding it back to the lower court to Judge John J. Romero Jr. for appropriate action, and literally zero was done. And that was at approximately the 10-year mark. How many years ago now? How many years have you held that piece of paper? Like four years. Wow. And yeah. And how old are your kids? How old are your kids now? Who cares? From past experience, from the experience of other people, those kids will have no interest whatsoever in the parent that was absent from their life, mm. uh, even though they were fighting the, the entire time, 24-7. Those kids will have no interest whatsoever in that other parent. So it really doesn't matter how old, how old my children are at this point. They were in diapers when I was pushed out of their lives and never saw them again. And uh, but but anyway, the bottom line, I, I, I hung up in the middle of Gigi's call. I was listening about four to six minutes behind. Mm-hmm. And when you summoned me, I hung up and called. And that's the answer to the two allegations. And Gigi will recognize allegation as a legal word. She made two allegations that I uh, recall from memory if I'm here on the witness stand. Um, and I have done I have uh, done uh, before she ever mentioned them, both of the things that she suggested, if she suggested anything subsequent to that, I didn't hear it because, Gigi, I stopped listening to you and called in so that I could respond to your uh, to allegation number one, number one and allegation number two. So, Yeah, I figured you'd already covered all the bases and, you know, there's the odds that this system is going to hold itself accountable in any way, shape or form. I, I I just don't believe it. I understand as an attorney, it's her job to kind of prop that system up. Uh, I don't think that she has negative intentions, but ultimately that's what a lawyer does. They swear an oath of allegiance to the court itself, and they are a court right. officer. I've I've met very, very few. I don't know whether maybe 5, 5% of, generously speaking, if there's one in 10 attorneys that are willing to uh, buck 
the system mm -hmm. to any degree whatsoever. That would be approximately what it seems to be. And those attorneys generally want uh, a retainer. Uh, well, I was quote at year two in the case, and we're at year 14. At year two, things were about 10% as complicated as they are now. At year two, I was quoted uh, in year two dollars, which is about a decade ago, sixty thousand uh, dollars estimated cost. That was what the person estimated the case would would cost uh, at year two, uh, when it was much, oh, much, God. much, much simpler than it is now. Yeah. And so, if Gigi would like to donate the sixty thousand dollars <laughs> of uh, Attorney earnings. Well, actually, I'm sorry. At this point, it would be approximately probably a quarter million dollars to to uh, fight this with any uh, hope whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, it would be a so if she and you could just throw all that mil, sixty thousand down a down a hole. I mean, it may not help it, at all. R right. So the state of uh, parenthood in this country, especially for uh, men, is uh, you know like standing on quicksand. And uh, who knows? With uh, until further notice, when cit other citizens are have had enough. Uh, and they're willing to help change the system. Uh, it may not be worth fighting uh, whatsoever. And the, the men that actually did walk to walk away and are criticized for walking away, they might have been the intelligent ones. David, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. And you could throw sixty million dollars at trying to reform the system, and you won't even yeah. make a dent. land of the free if you can afford it. And that's I mean, the end of it, yeah, right. yeah, and, that, and that's really it. Well, we have investigated ourselves and found that we are not yeah. guilty of any and, wrongdoing. And even then, when it comes to, like, family court, you're right, Ian. You might as well just throw that money down the hole. If you end up getting some Rule money somehow. One, we do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you end up somehow getting some money, you know, if David not were to somehow. Happen. Like, he'd be better off, like, just putting that into a fund for his kids to have so that even though he wasn't in their lives, he could at even least benefit if, them in some way. Even if they found, like, let's say he brought some kind of malpractice suit against the state or whatever yeah. you would call that. Like, they ruled in my favor, and then they didn't do what they said they were going to do. Yeah. Even if you could get a higher court to say, yep, Mr. Olson is correct. Uh, you did not do, Mr. Lower Judge, what uh, Monica Zamora or whoever said uh, you were going to do. You didn't do it. Yeah. Shame on you. And that's like the worst they're going to do to their own guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's not like they're going to string him up and make him pay for all of your 14 years without the kid or the four years where it was, it's been yeah. since the ruling or he's going to lose his job. None of that stuff's going to happen. Yeah. And while David is a, a chronic caller, um, his point is that not only is the system rigged, particularly family court is just it's a it's a playground it's a different playground than every other legal thing uh, in the united states legal and system and particularly family court against men mm -hmm. yeah uh so that is it's a horrific playground to you know do anything in uh, and it's also going to suck you dry of money because the attorneys involved in family court plus the judges they all work together sure and it's really Especially about in a small state like New Mexico. And it's really about hey, how much can we take these people for, as far as their money is concerned? Right. Again, Bend somebody over. somebody like David, if he were to ever get any money out of the system, would be better off like just putting it in a fund, giving it to his kids that can benefit him in some way. Let's talk to Jay calling also from New Mexico, listening to KENN in Farmington. Go ahead, Jay. Hey, um, I'm forced to take a medication that I is not necessary, and. Uh, it it, uh, it has very harmful side effects. It sounds like it. Who is and forcing I, you to take this medication? My my mom died of ALS, and she 
she put a, 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 a local attorney in charge, and he's my guardian. What happens if you don't take the medication? The cops show up and take me to get a, get a shot. Oh, my God. That oh. is absolutely horrifying. How old are you, Jay? I'll be 54 in May. I don't even know where to go from here. I mean, wow. you're 54 years old and your mother has total control over your life. My mom passed away in Blue Gate. Your mom passed away, but yet she's still... Oh, she gave, uh, what did he say, guardianship to an attorney? Guardianship to a lawyer. Oh, my God. So now a lawyer is in control of your life. What happens if you just leave New Mexico? Uh, he controls my funds. He controls your funds. My social security. My social security disability. Are you able to work? Not really. I've been... I have a TBI in 1988, and I'm, I'm not able to hold a job very well. Wow, that is uh, a really d- tough situation. I wish I had some sort of suggestion I, for you, but... I got nothing. I mean, I, beyond getting sorry, out of dude. there, uh, beyond escaping and somehow, you know, I don't know what your issues were that you can't, couldn't hold a job down, uh, that's really frustrating. When the, you rely on somebody else who's a control freak to take care of you. These are the hallmarks of tyranny. Thank you, Jay, for the call. Let's get Rob on here uh, real quick in Vermont. Go ahead, Rob. Hi. How you guys doing? Hey, Rob. Go ahead. Great. So, uh, you know, I, I want to call, you know, considering the fact of what's going on, you know, with the courts and and judges and lawyers, is it, is it me or does it seem that the United States have become uh, the fascist level has risen up a little more? Oh, without a doubt. It's cranked up. Yeah. It's I not mean, you. It's like, true. The, the, the the fascism levels have cranked up not only here but everywhere. I mean, absolutely, especially with the coronavirus lockdown, uh, locking everyone in their house, houses even though they're healthy, uh, cutting people off from their bank accounts in Canada of all places. Rob, thanks for the call. If you want more on the discussion, call us tomorrow night. And I, I, we never really got to the Yemen thing, so I hear I hear Peakless. You might be coming in tomorrow night. Looks to be the plan. Co-hosting on Sunday, so hopefully all will get to cover that uh, then because we're out of time tonight. We'll see you online between now and then at freetalklive.com. Don't forget our social site, social.freetalklive.com. We'll see you there.